Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. In the 1980s, a young actor named Peter Berg, drawn from a similar cloth to somebody like Ethan Hawke, began thinking about what his future roles as an actor might be like. He began doing bit parts on television, bit parts in movies, and gradually earning wider prestige and getting larger parts in bigger and bigger projects until he landed a lead role on a TV series, Chicago Hope. By the end of the 1990s, he'd began to stretch himself to become a movie director, and we meet him in 2004 with the release of Friday Night Lights, which, incidentally, was based on a book written by his cousin, H.G. Bissinger, called Friday Night Lights, A Town, a Team, and a Dream from 1990. The first time I ever saw the Bissinger book was when I was at the end of high school going through the Walden books in my local mall trying to find something to read. It struck my attention because it features on its cover several football players walking towards a coin toss in the middle of a football field. The football players are fully garbed, helmets on, and they're holding hands as they walk towards referees. At that point in my young development, having tried out for the football team of my local high school and having quit because I perceived it as too violent and butch for the kind of maleness and masculinity that I was experiencing and wishing to present to the world, I was very aware that that cover had an odd tone of homosocial bonding and intimacy which seemed strange to me based on my own awkward experiences with organized football. Nonetheless, this was a breakout hit for Bissinger, who I believe had already been an award-winning journalist. The premise was he went to West Texas and embedded himself in a small community of Odessa to take apart what happens in a small town based on its secular religion of high school football. Berg worked with Brian Grazer at Imagine Entertainment, optioned Friday Night Lights from his cousin, drew up a screenplay with David Aaron Cohen, and so begins the feature film Friday Night Lights. What we're involved with is a small Texas community built entirely around high school football accomplishments. The children on the team who, remember, are high school boys somewhere between ages 15 and 18 years old are lorded over by the paternalistic structure of their small slice of American society where their fathers once played on that team, their grandfathers once played on that team, all of the local leaders and business successes once played on that team, or if they didn't, support that team with great vigor and energy. We're seeing things through the point of view of Coach Gary Gaines, a real person who died earlier in 2022 of complications of Alzheimer's disease. This is back in 1988 when Coach Gaines, played by Billy Bob Thornton, is entering his second season as head coach for the local football team. He is the lord of this little fiefdom of 17-year-old boys playing football. They're wonderful athletes, but every one of them feels the local pressure to succeed, and for several of them, success is what will allow their futures to unravel. For Donnie Billingsley, played by Garrett Hedlund, obviously a wonderful actor because we share the same first name, Donnie's goal is to outshine his father's accomplishment of having been a state champion for the very same football team years before. His father, not incidentally, is played by Tim McGraw as Charles Billingsley, 
who regularly thrashes and beats his son, verbally harassing him and emotionally damaging him with the expectation that the son will live up to the father. There's the star football player, James Booby Miles, played by the beautiful Derek Luke, upon whom the entire team's hope pin as the most outstanding athlete they appear to have on the roster. And there is the quarterback, Mike Winchell, played by Lucas Black. To go on and on with the cast list may be unnecessary, but sharp-eyed viewers may recognize Amber Heard in the backup cast, and you'll certainly notice Connie Britton as Sharon Gaines, the coach's long-suffering wife, who has maybe three things to say in this movie. Fortunately for this actress playing that part, she would reprise this very same role in the long-running TV show called Friday Night Lights to much critical acclaim and celebration of her talent. But let's pull back and realize, Friday Night Lights, at its base, is a male-centered invitation for all of us to enjoy a rough, rough sport that makes boys into the kinds of men that their West Texas region demands of all young men. Let's also realize that this movie is very strictly organized around racial polarities. Our starting quarterback is a white boy. The running back who could play both ways is a black boy. There are Latin boys, but all of these different power centers of strength on the football field are overmatched by the general population of middle-aged people who actually pull the purse strings of this small town. There's a wonderful and heartbreaking scene early in the movie when we watch the boys going to celebrate their upcoming season. Why doesn't he have a girlfriend? Is that a rule or something? No, not really. Well, then why don't you have a girlfriend? Just don't. Are you gay? What? Is he gay? I'm not gay. Can you prove it? This is intercut with the Gaineses at a dinner party where the coach is being drilled by various leaders of the local community hosting the party about how he should coach the team to success. Midland Lee likes to bust it up the middle, too. Well, you're right about that. You that's, what you that's should for do. Sure. You should play Booby Miles defense. Work him both ways. Well, see, the problem with that is I don't want to get him hurt. Uh, you know, oh. We need him to score touchdowns. Oh, that's, that's what... That big nigger ain't going to break. To hear a young woman call out a young man and question his sexuality to get him into bed is remarkable. To similarly hear a suburban woman of wealth and means harangue the local football coach to have a player risk injury and play both ways and then call him the most insulting term possible for a young black man is a remarkable turn of events. All of this is observed rather quietly by Coach Gaines, who soaks in what he's experiencing. And in many respects, his point of view is the one we're meant to adopt throughout this movie. We look at Coach Gaines as he wrestles with the fact he knows for many of these boys who come from broken homes, he is the stand-in adult who will give them direction and hope and encouragement At the same time, he is being paid extremely well to win games, and if he fails to win games, he will be fired, meaning on the one hand, he is a warm-hearted, good man. On the other, he's a politician, and the ends must justify the means, and those means can be as mean as hell. Friday Night Lights is also an extremely busy movie, by which I mean 
It is organized around a montage style of editing where your eyes very scarcely are allowed to stare at something at length without being broken by a new shot. There's a terrific number of sound bridges that connect one set of images in a sequence of on-the-field violence with another sequence propelling us through the movie's paces. It's in fact a little bit overwhelming because the visual field and the audio field are so active in competing for our attention and helping us understand this is exciting stuff. Which is to say that Friday Night Lights, as made by Peter Berg, owes an awful lot to the editors, Colby Parker Jr., David Rosenblum, and Gabriella Fasulo, who do great work. By the time the movie's over with, we also have a sense of what has happened to all of the key characters we've met. Remember, this is a movie about a group of people competing in the late 1980s, made 15 or 16 years after that competitive season was done. And it's possible, then, to know what's become of everybody here who were still living in 2004. The way that they went to college and became this kind of a worker. They went off to university and became this kind of professional. They never left the hometown, and so on. I'm a sucker for these kinds of epilogues that give us a little bit of text and a scrawl explaining what happens to these people, especially when these people are based on actual individuals walking the earth. The first time I ever noticed this kind of a detail was at the very end of American Graffiti, which concludes with an absolutely bittersweet epitaph to several of the characters, including one who went off to the Vietnam War and disappeared. Here, it's not that dire, but we have the impression from this 2004 vehicle that studying how male culture exists through the sport of football, which is a bigger deal to this community even than the worship of their God, presumably Jesus Christ, we realize that the coach, Coach Gaines, is ultimately the greatest arbiter of value that any of these boys can ever look up to, and he delivers. There's a wonderful speech leading up into the final few minutes of the final football game, a championship season that these boys hope to bring home with a trophy and state championship, and he gives them this rather rousing but very subdued, emotionally impactful speech. Well, it's real simple. You got two more quarters and that's it. Now, most of you have been playing this game for 10 years, and you got two more quarters. And after that, most of you will never play this game again as long as you live. Now, you all have known me for a while, and for a long time now, you've been hearing me talk about being perfect. Well, I want you to understand something. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about you and your relationship to yourself and your family and your friends. Being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you didn't let them down because you told them the truth. And that truth is, is that you did everything that you could. There wasn't one more thing that you could have done. Can you live in that moment as best you can with clear eyes and love in your heart? with joy in your heart. If you can do that, gentlemen, then you're perfect. I want you to take a moment and I want you to look each other in the eyes.
I want you to put each other in your hearts forever. Because forever is about to happen here in just a few minutes. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about Booby Miles, who is your brother. And he would die to be out there on that field with you tonight. And I want you to put that in your hearts. Boys, my heart is full. My heart's full. Is Friday Night Lights a good movie? I think it's possible to say, no, it is not. But the thing is, it's a very entertaining movie. It moves right along. It pleases me now that I've seen it a couple of times across nearly 20 years. And I was one of those folks who went to the theater to watch it in first run. I did so with my brother-in-law because we'd established a pact during one season to go to the movies as much as we could as a break from childcare. This is one we chose because we had each read good reviews in our local newspaper, and we were each aware that there's a funny way that high school athletics, but especially through football, define how boys become men, and each of us failed to live up to that standard and yet became men. Although friends around us across the years clearly derive an important part of their personal identity from their accomplishments on a football field, which makes me always think about how violent the sport is. Having recently shown this movie to a class of young people in a college setting, this movie makes one key proposition. Nothing you will ever do will ever live up to what it is you accomplish while in high school. Now that I'm many, many years beyond the high school experience, I'm so glad that that's not true for my life, that so many of my accomplishments have accrued in the years since I was 18 years old. I have been in contact with people across the years of my life who do believe the best times they ever experienced were when they were 15 to 18 years of age. The young people on screen in Friday Night Lights certainly feel that way too. They are aware this is the fleeting moment of youth. So, as an epitaph to potential, this movie nails it. And it does so by considering how race adds up into that mix, perhaps most notably in a particular sequence that pairs public enemy songs. But welcome to the Teladome. With songs from hair bands of the middle 80s like Poison. Desperation also clings to the backbone of this story. The desperation to get out of a small town existence and explore a wider world. The desperation to overcome poverty, the lack of opportunity, the desperation that surrounds a community of people whose very soul is built upon the accomplishments of children underneath Friday Night Lights. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those who trespass against us.
Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin-Kirai. Boop-boobity-doo!